The Detroit Tigers can't stop winning, baby. They can't stop winning. They head in and take the first game of their final series of the 2022 season. They've now won 11 of their last 13 and are 10-2 and two in the Scott Harris era. We're going to talk about it today on Locked on Tigers. You are Locked on Tigers, your daily Detroit Tigers podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. What is up, everybody? Welcome back to another edition of Locked On Tigers. I'm, of course, your host, Scott Bentley. Today is Tuesday, October 4th, 2022. Thank you for making Locked On Tigers your first listen. Every single day, we're free and available wherever you get your podcast. It is about 1 o'clock in the morning on Tuesday, October 4th. The Detroit Tigers just won 4-3. Final score in Seattle. Brian Garcia, crazy start in this one. Offense, woke up just enough. Bullpen continues to win games for the Detroit Tigers. And yeah, that is 11 wins in our last 13 games. And it is 10 and 2 in the Scott Harris era, like I said in the cold open. And they just seem to be firing on all cylinders, honestly, outside of Friday's game. Well, really both losses in the Scott Harris era, right? The the time frame of that, both losses are are honestly really well, same amount of losses in the last 13 and the last 12. Regardless, br- like blowout losses, those two games. But besides that, all wins. All wins, baby. A lot of close wins. Uh, Offense showed up in some, some blowout wins. The biggest thing, I think, it's important to remember a couple of things. One is that for as much crap as this team has gotten this season, which is all very deserved and very rightfully so, and no one should tell you otherwise, there is still some good things that have happened to this season. It is not, and I keep trying to drive that point home. I know I kind of sound like a broken record over the last couple of weeks talking about that, but I think it's important to, to understand that this is not just an absolute dumpster fire with not a single thing going right. That has happened in sports history. This is not one of those cases, right? And one of those big highlights has been pitching. And even though the Tigers have really gotten bit by the injury bug so harshly this season, they've still found a way to piece together production out of a starting rotation. Whether it is Tyler Alexander sliding in and giving you some quality looks, whether it is games like this where Brian Garcia just steps up and has a really good outing. All year long, Drew Hutchison is like one of the biggest examples over the last two years. Willie Peralta, more so last year, but still this year, again, more so out of the bullpen, I guess, for him. But long relief, stretched out, and and he had a couple of spot starts. Like That's just what this season has been is just really good production out of starting pitchers. There was a point in time in, there was like a a month and a half, maybe even two month long stretch 
in the middle of the season where the Tigers had, I want to say it was like started July to, hmm, I don't, August was not a very good month for the Tigers. So maybe it didn't include, maybe it was June and July. It was something like that. Something in the middle of the season where they had one of the best production wise, a team ERA out of starting pitchers in the entire American league. That has been a huge I, I don't really want to call anything on this team a, a big success, but it has been a, a huge thing to hang their hat on. And it's been a really good storyline and, and something that you can really look at objectively. Scott Harris can come in and, and go like, okay, this is a, a strong suit. Chris Fetter and this staff and this de- pitching development that this organization already had in place, this is good. We need to change a whole lot of stuff on the offense. We need to change a whole lot of stuff in our scouting department. We need to change a whole lot of stuff in our development of hitters down in the minors. We need to change a whole lot of stuff. I mean, honestly, in our development of some pitchers in the minor leagues, but the major league development of pitching has been a massive, massive success. And I just think it's important to to keep reiterating that. So there you go. Really, I think that over these last 13 games, you've had that because you have had it. And you have also had the offense be just good enough. And that's all you need. Well, we've won 11 of 13. It's not like we're going out and scoring 8, 9, 10 runs every night. Listen to these run totals during this 13-game stretch. Okay? 11 nothing. obviously, that's a lot of runs. Three, five, four, four, two, three, five, four. You have, I skipped over a 10-3 win, a 7-2 win, the 11-0 at the beginning, and that's it. So most of these wins are like close wins where the offense just does enough and and it cannot be stressed enough also how good this bullpen has been in this stretch when you look at games i i i'm very critical of my ownness my, of myself goodness english is hard um uh, of myself with these and and i i wanted to bring up and I, I guess i forgot to um but i wanted to bring up in the minnesota series how effective the bullpen was and that it is probably the biggest reason that we were able to take two of three from minnesota this past weekend because this was a a series in which starting pitching did not go deep into games and we still put together either complete shutout or only one run performances in like six innings of bullpen ball for both, uh, for both of these wins, right, Joey Wentz, Andrew Hutchinson. So, I, I just it, it cannot be reiterated enough how again much of a success for story this bullpen has been this season. The offense we will get to. Uh, we're going to talk about it. It has not been good. Okay, we know that but during this stretch, it's been just good enough to overcome a really good pitching situation. Starting pitching has been, I guess, kind of in the same breath with all the injuries. A lot of these dudes have been just good enough, and the bullpen has been really locked down. We've talked about Joe Jimenez this season. We've talked about Alex Lang outside of really the month of August this season. We've talked about, I already said Joe Jimenez, didn't I? Um, I mean, Andrew Chafin 
has been a great pickup. We got an update on him at the end of the show too. But a lot of of really good stuff. I mean, Jason Foley is good, right? Like there's there's been a lot of good stories out of that pen, man. So um I, I just think that during this stretch, it's not necessarily like, oh my goodness, they they're playing so differently and they turned it around and and look look at this offense is putting up 10, 12 runs. Like, no. <laughs> the offense just finally isn't the worst thing I've ever seen in my life. And the pitching's been good. Like, we've been new this. The, the pitch, this ain't nothing new but the date, right? So, I think that's really all it is. The offense just became, like, slightly below average instead of the worst in baseball history. And, like, here we are. Which is kind of disheartening. Being like, oh, okay, well, if we even had a league average offense this season, who knows where we'd be right now. It's kind of discouraging a little bit. But... Uh, maybe that gives you some hope for next year, man. Maybe you look ahead to next season and you go, okay, we're still going to have Fetter. We're still going to have a lot of these pitchers. Um, we're, we're, well, and even if we don't, even if they do have a big overhaul, we're still going to have this system in place. We're going to make better signings. We're not going to bring in Michael Pineda's and, and Jose Urania's. And hopefully we can piece together again. We even just have a league average offense. Who knows what this season could have been with how good the pitching ended up being still. And I, I, I just think over the last 13 games, like that's what I want to highlight is that not much has really changed. <laughs> we just went from historically bad offense to like slightly below league average offense. And that's all it took to rattle off 11 of 13. <laughs> Again, a couple of very good offensive performances. I don't want to, I don't want to minimize good offense because it's been so few and far between. And and we have had a couple of ten and sevens and you know eleven run games. I I don't want to make it sound like you know every game in there. I read off the score totals, right? It wasn't like we were winning every game two to one. Um, but I I just there's still some stuff to hold on to here, and it gives me some some. I don't even want to say it gives me hope for next season because, like, I'm not looking at these games and looking at wins and going, like, oh, my goodness, this is what next year is going to be. I'm not like that, but just in the style of which we are winning, it's like, okay, the pitching's still here. Like, Fetter's still going to be here. The, a lot of these bullpen pieces are still going to be here. There's still stuff to build around. That's all I'm trying to say. All right, let's get into the game itself. Uh, and we'll, I found a crazy stat uh, on about our offense, too, that will kind of bring us back down to earth here with expectations for the offseason of next year. But first, I got to tell you all about our friends over at BetOnline. BetOnline.net is your number one source for all your football betting info this season. Find all the latest player developments, team matchups, news, podcasts, and in-depth articles and analysis and every game you can find. And as always, BetOnline remains your continued source for all your sports wagering information with live betting and up-to-the-minute scores for every sport out there. The latest latest the fastest and easiest way to check in on all your favorite games and events including mlb mma boxing and golf head to the betonline.net website or use your mobile device to learn more but online where the game starts all right everybody welcome back here segment two of locked on tigers thank you for making us your first listen every day greatly appreciate y'all all right, so let's take a look at this game itself. Four to three final. 
Akil Badu, I thought, had some really good swings in this game. The thing about Akil Badu, the production has been really brutal this season, obviously. I, you know, doesn't take a rocket science for that one. Rocket scientist for that one. Everyone's pretty well aware of how much he's been struggling this season. But I still love his swing, man. And he still has really good bat speed. And, and I think that's why he was able to be effective after he kind of got out of his slump and really raked for a little bit there in the minors uh, in AAA before getting recalled. So I, I still think there's something there. And it, it's also important to remember how young he is. He's like 23 years old, right? So th- there's the Tigers. I would be shocked if Badu wasn't in the picture next year. We talk about all the overhaul that's about to happen. There's going to be so many new names. We're, we're going to let go of, of, honestly, I think a a – a lot, a good chunk of this 40, man, I truly believe is going to be gone. We'll talk about that after Wednesday when the season ends and start talking about real offseason plans and such. But um, Badu is one that I think will still be around just because of age, team control, options left, all that stuff, along with the fact that he still has the tools to be a good baseball player. But clearly not the year he was hoping for this year. Couple of hits and a walk in this one looks pretty solid. Riley Green, one walk, no hits, um, four at bats. The thing with Riley Green, I, I talk about, you know, the, the power is really lacked, and that's like objectively true. He's a 357 slugging percentage this season. But with that also comes like every ball seems to be a ground ball. Right, He could hit the ball hard. He could smoke the baseball. 100 miles an hour off the bat, 104 off the bat, whatever. It seems like almost every night it's one for four with a seeing eye single up the middle and three ground outs or you know, two strikeouts, two ground outs or whatever. He is pounding the baseball right into the dirt. And so I think when that is fixed and that adjustment is made, whether it's a launch angle thing, whether it's a bat path thing, whether it's a a bat shape thing, right? Like there's, there's so much that goes into just getting the ball into the air. So no matter what it is, it could be everything. It could be none of those. Like there's, there's a plethora of things that can contribute to that. Whatever it is, once he fixes that, the power will, I know this is like kind of obvious, but the power will come with that. We need more line drives. And I'm not talking about like, oh, you know, you know, he, he lofts one over the second baseman's head. Like, no, hit the ball hard. Like all of your ground outs that seem to be almost every at bad and like twice a game and, and, and hit those in the air. I don't need, you know, 25 degree launch angle where the ball is 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 heading to whatever 420 feet in in Comerica and is is well a fly out just to piss people off. But you know what I mean, a deep fly ball or a home run. I'm just looking for like some some line drives. Just give me something. The power is, has really not been there and that's the biggest reason why is just the launch angle and everything is just is just not there at the moment. So that's going to be, I, I think, one of the biggest things for development that he's going to look at this season. Javi Baez with a hit and a couple of RBIs. Uh, obviously, the hit was a home run to right field. Uh, look, man, I <laughs> when he's on, he's on. And when he's on, he's electric and he's fun to watch. I've said my piece about him a million times. I don't need to go back down that rabbit hole. But 
again, when he's not like in the top two or three players on your team that you're relying heavily on for offense night in and night out, I think he's going to be a lot more liked and uh, just throughout the fan base. And I think that he's going to have a lot more of a defined. That's not even the right word. He's going to have a lot more valuable production. It's going to mean a lot more when he goes on hot streaks because we're not relying on him and, and leaning against him so much night in and night out. I want him to be like the third, fourth, fifth best player on this offense. Miguel Cabrera, RBI single. It's a beauty. Uh, he will be playing next season. That has been confirmed. I don't know if I've talked about that yet, which is completely my fault, so I'm sorry uh, if I haven't. It's very much on me. He will be back next year, though. Uh, Scott Harris and him talked about it. AJ Hinge obviously talked to Miggy every single day. Um, and yeah, he will be back next season. The capacity in which he'll be back next season, who knows? Uh, it could be, I mean, there's rumors about like a once a week thing. That seems a little dramatic. But I mean, if you don't improve that much in the offseason, it's not very far fetched. At the same time, look at the offensive numbers this year. He's kind of right along with everybody else. Uh, so we'll see. There's some rumors about like a once a series thing, like a series finale slash series opener thing. You know, if it's a weekend home series, he plays on Sunday. Like, I don't know. There, there's there's a lot of rumors swirling around about what he could be uh, getting playing-wise next year. But, I mean, I would be shocked if he played 100 games. I, I think that he's it's going to be in that. Like in that situation where like you're heading into September and if you're not competitive, then he's at like 60 games heading into September and you're like, all right, we're just going to play him like pretty much every game from here on out, every home game at least from here on out. And if you are in it, then you just stick with what you're doing, right? Because that's clearly working and getting you wins. But uh, we'll see. We'll see what happens with him next season, but he will be on the team. Harold Castro with a base knock. Uh, Jonathan Scope with another hit. You know, he, he's been hitting the ball decently well lately, Scopey, over the last couple of weeks. I'm not sure it's really going to change anything. I actually know for a fact that it's not going to change anything, whether that's, you know, he was already going to stay on the team or, you know, whatever. But, uh, uh, you know, this hot streak over the last two weeks doesn't change how he was over the entire season, unfortunately, uh, for being a veteran. That's how it works. Cody Clemens still... Uh, kind of struggling off major league hitting just hasn't even really gone on like a hot streak where you're like, Hey, this is like kind of what we saw in Toledo at the beginning of the year. Like just not, not quite clicking yet. We'll see what happens with him this off season. He's definitely a DFA candidate. Tucker Barnhart one for four. He's gone. Uh, Tucker Barnhart has three games left to Detroit Tiger. I can almost guarantee you that. And then Victor Rice, we talked about yesterday uh, with his future with the team kind of in question. Wouldn't surprise me either way kind of scenario is where I lean at with him. One for four. I'm sorry that like all of my analysis for a lot of the hitters especially is just kind of like my viewpoint of what will happen to them this offseason. But like that's where we're at. I don't I, I don't know how else to break them down. We've talked about this team for 159 games. Every single day. I do a show every single day. We have talked about this baseball team after 159 games. 
I I I don't have too much more analysis wise. None of these dudes are are doing things four games before the season ends that is wildly shifting how I've thought about them for the first 159 games of the year. You feel me? So that's going to be the analysis for a lot of them. Um, okay, let's get into pitching then. Brian Garcia, heck of a start. Let's get into that right after this. Welcome back, everybody. Third and final segment here of Locked on Tigers. Uh, I lied. So we're going to do one more thing on the offense. This is a stat I found online. Let me find it so I can give credit. La, la, la. Filler, filler. Okay. Um, at Codify Baseball. Okay. Codify is a game planning pitcher success type thing. Cool website. Check it out. Um, they tweeted the lowest team on base percentage over the last 50 regular seasons in Major League Baseball. Lowest team OBP, last 50 regular MLB seasons. In last place is not the Detroit Tigers. It's the 2022 Oakland Athletics who have a 281 team on base percentage this year. Second worst over the last 50 years is, in fact, the 2022 Detroit Tigers with a 286. Third worst is the 2022 Pittsburgh Pirates with a 289. I mean, a lot of people kind of go, oh, it's the baseball. It's the baseball, which like is definitely, you know, you have three, you have three teams in the same year, all in the bottom three, like the three worst of the last 50 years are all in the same season. The 2022 Marlins are also like the eighth worst or the ninth worst. So like it, it, it's something to point out and just go like, hey, you know, all this why is offense down across the MLB this season? It's definitely something to bring up. And we can, I guess, talk about it maybe a little bit more in the offseason. If it ends up being a news story and, you know, stuff comes out or they talk about changing the baseball again or whatnot. But at the end of the day, here's my thing. Sure. Let's, let's say they did. We all played with the same baseball. And, like, we were still worse than everybody else. For me, it just it, – it, it doesn't – I watched this team's at-bats. I watched every single one for an entire summer. I, I promise you the baseball was not the problem. That's, I guess, the point I'm trying to drive home. Sure, you know, maybe our team leader in home runs would have had like 18 instead of 16. Like maybe Javi would have have got to 20 homers if, if they had the 2019 ball. Sure, but I assure you that this team was not just consistently ripping fly balls to the warning track all season. This was, do you remember that one stretch? forget who it was against. Maybe it was Minnesota in the middle of the season where we struck out like 42 times in a series or something absurd. I, I, I mean, like, that's not, that has nothing to do with the baseball, man. <laughs> so, it just it, for me, it doesn't matter which way you slice it. It doesn't matter. It, does, it doesn't matter. Whatever your reasoning is and whatever your theory is, as to why baseball, the offense in baseball is down across the league. 
doesn't matter in, in regards to, to the Detroit Tigers production this year for me. This was a horrid offensive product, and the baseball is not the reason to blame for that. That's all. Um, okay, let's get to the pitching because this is actually a pretty cool story. I think Brian Garcia starts this game. Brian Garcia starts this game. He did really well. He did really well. It was super cool to watch. Um, I, I thought his stuff looked great. He, his final line, he goes six and two-thirds, five hits, three earned runs, two walks, and six Ks. He only had two earned runs given up when he got pulled, but he was responsible for two runners on base. Jose Cisnero came into the game and uh, immediately gave up a double to J-Rod and, uh, and that earned run then went against Brian Garcia. So just a, I really wanted him to get seven. I really wanted him to get seven, but uh, with two outs and nobody on in the sixth, he, he got a walk and then, quickly gave up a single right after the walk. So kind of have to pull him. I agree with the decision to pull him, um, especially in a close game like that where you're trying to get a win. But yeah, I, I really, <laughs> what a start. What a start. 14 whiffs, a 35% CSW percentage for Brian Garcia in six and two thirds innings. 35. That's, 35%. That's over a third at a better rate than one of every three pitches he threw was either a called strike or a swinging strike. Unbelievable. The biggest reason, look, I, I didn't even think his command was that on. Like his stuff is good. And like that's something that we should talk about in the development of Brian Garcia because. In 2020, he just randomly had like a sub two ERA out of the bullpen. And we were all, I was like, who is this dude? Just showing up and, and, you know, being the eighth inning guy, basically uh, seventh, I guess, it, you know, it was Greg Cisnero and Brian Garcia. That was a, a little Funkhauser a little bit too, but like, that was like the bullpen. And he was getting decently high leverage situations and had a sub two ERA and wasn't striking anyone out. He was a one inning reliever that had a really low K per nine. And I was like, what is happening? And how is this even possible? And like his stuff was okay. And then in 2021, he really struggled and, you know, was, was kind of up, up when needed, but mostly down and whatnot. And I, just not not a very productive year, but stayed on the 40-man. And then this year has been, again, not really on the 40-man, but or has been on the 40-man, not really been in the major leagues, but has started games. Like, this is his, his what, third start? So I think his third start, third or fourth, start of the season. Like, you know what? It's not like he's 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 been like the most unbelievable. I mean, he's a three. I, I think after this outing, he'll have like a three five ish ERA. It's not bad. Hadn't started a game in in years. Not bad. Come up, stretch the arm out, get some starts in, go almost seven innings against a playoff team at in October. Like, why not? Why not? 
and I, and I got sidetracked there, but I think the biggest reason for his success was I didn't think the command was pinpoint, but the stuff was really good. And that's kind of the tangent I just went on. Uh, I thought, I think the stuff has gotten better. He has more swing and miss stuff now than he has ever had out of our bullpen. He was not getting swings and misses. He was not getting strikeouts in 2020 when he had a really good ERA. And it was a shortened season and whatnot for sure. Not a very sustainable stat line and the analytics don't really like him, but or didn't like him that year. But this year, I, I thought his slider had really good movement. I thought his sinker had solid movement. I thought his changeup had good movement. The stuff was good. The command was just good enough, but the pitch sequencing, I thought, was stellar. And I don't know if, if that's Hinch. I don't know if that's Fetter. I don't know if that was Tucker Barnhart. Whoever it was deserves a massive tip of the cap because that was a masterclass performance on pitch sequencing. Um, the slider was working really well. He would go to, I, I mean, through 89 pitches, 37 changeup, 32 sinker, 20 slider. That's a really healthy mix of everything you got. Um, would throw the mix, which pitch was getting thrown first. If he needed a ground ball, was going sinker low and in a hitting a spot. If you wanted, I, I mean, there was an at-bat where he had three straight sliders low and away. Got got swings and misses on two of them. Like, it, it was it was a, a master class in sequencing, I thought, throughout the entire game. Uh, really used his changeup well I and wasn't afraid to kind of like do the changeup low and in and almost like kind of thigh high inside, which I really liked. Kind of like the uh, Anibal Sanchez used to do that, and it's like not something you're supposed to do, but he made it work uh, in his peak. Felix Hernandez made it work. And I'm not saying <laughs> – not trying to say Brian Garcia is Felix Hernandez or – or uh, or even Anibal Sanchez. I'm just saying I, I thought that tonight his his stuff was on and it played. And uh, I really liked it. As far as his future with the team, you know, I, I, I it's far from guaranteed. But he's shown some versatility this year. The ability to be a single inning reliever, but also be able to be stretched out and be kind of a, I don't know, dare I say, like spot starter. I, I mean... I don't know. I think he he certainly didn't hurt his cause this season, but we'll see. Uh, nobody, I, I don't think, is guaranteed. And I think he's one of the the fringe guys on there. Jose Cisnero, I, I thought the command was really rough when he came in for relief of Brian Garcia and was leaving everything kind of over the heart of the plate. And then the whole next inning, I thought it was like some of the best I've ever seen, not ever seen, the best I have seen from Jose Cisnero all season. And I thought that that was one of the only times over the last month that I've been like, hey, that actually kind of reminded me of Jose Cisnero from 2020 and 2021. So really glad I got to see that. His future also kind of in question. One of the older guys, uh, but still has some control and whatnot. So he's going to be a question mark. And then we get to Andrew Chafin, who we will end the show on. Uh, I mean, left to pitch up and, and you know, kind of got a little bit dramatic there at the end, but he's a pro and, and he looks really good and he has looked really good. And, um, yeah, he was asked about, that's it for the game. Good win. Keep winning. Don't really care about like win loss record. It's a lottery now. Anyway, uh, win, win games. Um, so Andrew Chafin was asked before the game by some media about his player option. He has a player option this year. He signed a two-year deal. It was a one-and-one. One. It was a one-year with a player option for a second. So 
nobody else's decision but him and his family's. And he basically didn't play a hand at all. He was like, I have no clue what I want to do yet. Going to go home, going to relax, going to spend time with my family, then think about it when, when you know, I have those conversations with my family and my agent and all that. And like said all the right stuff. Didn't play his hand at all. Um, look, man, I, I mean, you can go back and watch my meltdown of the trade deadline. I, I think that um, if he opts out, it makes a, a big failure of a trade deadline even more of a failure. But honestly, like, what's even the point of complaining about that? Alavila's gone. Like, there, there's really no point in me going down that road again, I guess. But... It just, it, it, it pains me. It irks me. <laughs> Same thing. Like if Joe Jimenez like reverts back to like pre 2022, Joe Jimenez and struggles next season, I'm going to say the same thing. Like, Oh, it would have been nice to trade him in 20 at the deadline in 2022. But hopefully Joe Jimenez just keeps riding this and is good next season. And we're all good. And he just becomes this now. And this is just the new standard for Joe Jimenez. He's looked really good. He's looked really good. I've been beyond impressed, and hopefully Chafin opts in, and we can get – if we're going to be competitive, we have a good reliever back there. If we're not competitive, we trade him at this deadline. Like, there's – there's um, hopefully, hopefully he opts in. Be a, be a really nice piece to have. But we'll see what happens. Um, doesn't – at the time of this recording, which is now at the end here, we're at 1.35 a.m., I'm very tired. Uh, if I, I've tried to be like pretendingly energetic, so I hope that that's come across. But if I've done a bad job, I don't mean to put you to sleep. I'm trying my <laughs> trying my best here. Um, at the time of this recording, we have no starter for game two, but Ed Erod is starting game one doubleheader on Tuesday. Uh, if I didn't say that, and. That probably means bullpen game if they're not just going to go. I guess uh, Jason Beck is saying that Elvin Rodriguez could get like hefty work if it's a bullpen game. That makes sense. Sure. Uh, why not? We're, we're going to – we're really just playing to get to the finish line here, uh, unfortunately. And so hopefully we get two more wins. Why not? Uh, the best record I think we can end with is 69 and 93, which is a very nice record. Not really, really bad. Okay. That's all I got for you. That's also like the sad part is, is that's like the second best record. If we win out, this will be like the second, nobody steal this tweet. This will be like the second best record we've had since 2016 and it'll be a 93 loss season because 2017 was 98 losses 2018 was 98 losses 2019 was 114 that's obviously the worst 2020 we were on pace for 95 if you want to pro rate a 60 and if you just don't want to include a 60 fine and then last year was obviously the best year we've had since 2016 and that was not even 500 ball. So yeah, if we went out, this will be, even if we don't, yeah, that we're, we're looking like we're going to have the, the second best record we have had since 2016. And it's going to be in the mid nineties and losses. 
Thanks for making Locked On Tigers your first listen every day. Free and available wherever you get your podcast. Make your second listen to Locked On MLB podcast, where MLB expert Paul Francis Sullivan brings humor, passion, and his unique perspective on every team and the biggest stories from around the league. Follow the number one daily league-wide podcast, Locked On MLB, on the Odyssey at YouTube and wherever you get your podcast. Okay, I'm very tired. One more late night, and then we play at four on Wednesday, and then the season's over. Bittersweet, always. Uh, yeah, we'll talk about that more. I'm trying to go to bed. Peace and love. Going to therapy's dope. I'll catch you all tomorrow, baby. Go Tigers.